All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Round 2 Podcast. This is your host, Nikki Corbett. And once again, I am super excited. I know I say that every single week, but I am because my guests are so fascinating and have so many interesting stories to tell. So this week, I'm sitting here with my friend, Jonna. We've known each other for over 10 years oh, now. Oh, easy. Over yeah. 10 years, yeah. So we met at the gym. She was a fitness instructor who ran these boot camps that absolutely kicked my ass. And um, thankfully, because of, also because of social media, we've been able to stay in touch. So I, um, she has just returned to the area from something that is fascinating and super exciting and super challenging that I'm going to let her tell you all about when we get into it. So why don't you introduce yourself? Well, thank you so much, Nikki, for having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. I feel very honored for the opportunity to uh, just share life with with you. So as you said, we met at the Capitol Athletic Club. Yeah, it was definitely over 10 years ago. Yeah. You were one of my favorite students because <laughs> you listened well and you you would execute 100%. Thank you. So I appreciate I, that. I enjoy your work ethic very much. Thank so, you. Yeah. So no, again, thank you again for having me on. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be back in California, if you will, as I just got back from military training, six months of being gone. So I'm just acclimating back to civilian life. Yeah. So... Um, I had a handful of friends kind of tease me in that you've been teaching boot camp for yeah. 15 plus years, and now you're actually going to the real boot camp to experience the real boot camp. Right. So yeah, it's it's been an interesting experience to say the least. So yeah. Well, that's what's crazy too, is it's like now so many people who have done, you know, workout style workout style boot camps, you're like, this is nothing. It's nothing compared to what is actually done in the military. That's for sure. But I definitely got a taste of my own medicine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely got a taste of my own medicine. So I, you were teaching fitness forever. How did yeah. you initially get into fitness? Um, so I started off as a dancer actually. So in oh. high school I danced. And then when I went to college, um, I was uh, working part-time at a dance studio. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yeah. And so I was teaching a adult jazz class and it was for, for the moms. I was teaching at a children's dance studio and the moms would say after class, like, I don't need to go to the gym today because I did my workout with you. Aww. And they were saying, you know, you should teach like some kind of cardio dance class at the gym. And so that struck my interest. So I went to the gym to let them know that I was a dance instructor. And they're like, well, you need to be certified as a, as a group fitness instructor. And I was okay. like, well, how do I go about doing that? So um, researched it and, um, spent time studying to, uh, get my certification through American council on exercise. So while I was going to school, going to college, I studied for my test, tested out, and then I was certified, certified as a group fitness instructor. So I was able to do that while I was, um, attending uh, Sonoma state. Okay. Going to, going to college. And so I started off teaching like dance aerobics, hip hop aerobics, and uh, then it, it morphed into fitness. Okay. So well, that's cool. Yeah. All right. So then you ended up in Sacramento. Yeah. So I ended up in Sacramento. I finished school and I was what, 22 years old. And, um, my sister was going to nursing school down in Sacramento and she said, come live with me. There's lots of opportunity here in Sacramento. I was 
in Sonoma County. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity in the small, small town of Healdsburg. So I moved in with my sister um, to Sacramento and uh, lots of doors opened up, big fitness community in Sacramento. So I got my first gig at Capital Athletic Club and Step One Dance and Fitness. Okay. So nice. So then how did you like pivot? Cause I'm sure like, I know, you know, exercise comes like in fads and waves yeah, and all these different things, right. Where like, this is the hot new thing. So how did you yeah. get into doing boot camp style classes? Well, so I was teaching, like I said, like, uh, dance aerobics, hip hop aerobics, and then step. I'm, okay. I'm aging myself right now, but yeah, step, <laughs> step aerobics was a thing and yeah. I loved it. Right. Cause there was, there was, um, music, the rhythm, the counting involved with it. Yeah. So it was very up my alley in terms of uh, teaching a dance class. Okay. But then the, the class sizes started to dwindle. I, and I think, um, a new wave of, of fitness was coming in and uh-huh. that was the circuit training, the, the higher impact stuff, boot camp, um, and later, later would come hit, but uh-huh. that was still before our time. Um, okay. but yeah, so the circuit training was starting to become a thing and, uh, boot camp like classes. And so once we tested out that, that format, the numbers started to really pick back up oh, and we neat. said, okay, we've collected a lot of interest in yeah. this format. And, for whatever reason, maybe that's just my personality, my, my type A personality and wanting things to be done right and to be done well, um, super organized and efficient with, with how, um, I like to conduct a class and it, the format served me well in, in mm-hmm. how I taught it. And, um, oh, yeah. people I mean, those love, tough. yeah, they, right. They're, yeah. they're tough. There's a sense of camaraderie in it because it's not just about you. It's, the people around you. That's why you take group exercise classes. Mm -hmm. You like to feel like you're not doing it by yourself. You're doing it with other people that are, they're in it, doing it with you. Mm -hmm. So that sense of camaraderie, I think was, um, uh, of a factor that people enjoyed too and taking that format. Oh, for sure. And then, I mean, I remember even, I mean, to this day, like I can remember four or five people that were in, you know, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, oh, every yeah. 6 a.m., you know, yes. we're always you there. You were one of them. And that was like our group. And yeah. then you start building, like, it's like, oh, like my buddies are going to be there. I'm going to get up and go because I don't want to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, accountability is huge. How long did you take Well, we lived in SAC from the end of 2009 to the middle of 2011. So it was like about a year and a half that I think I was pretty consistent going there. And what inspired you to start taking boot camp classes or classes in general? Gosh, classes in general. That's a great question. I... Oh, I know. So when I got out of college, so I hadn't done group group exercise. I don't believe I I can't remember, but I don't believe I think in college, I like went to the gym or ran on the beach or something. Mm -hmm. But one of my roommates in college, she lived in LA and um, Billy Blanks had opened up the world training center. Yeah. (laughs) And so she was home for the summer and she had been doing Tybo at his studio. And that's when he did that summer, he created all those tapes. Mm -hmm. So she came back to school and she's like, Oh, I have these Tybo tapes. 
So I started doing those and I was like, wow, this is really fun. Well, then I graduated from college and I moved to LA and I was like, well, I'm going to go take Tybo at the Tybo studio. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that and I absolutely loved it. I mean, I was going every single day. I'm sure the energy was. Oh, the energy was unmatched. Yeah, Yeah. Because like, like Billy taught classes obviously, but then he had two brothers that taught classes, a sister that taught classes, his daughter taught classes. And then there was a handful of other people that taught classes to talk classes who taught classes as well but the energy with like the family like those classes were always super packed I mean there would be like you know fog on all the windows and the mirrors and everybody's just drenched with sweat by the time it's over and I mean I ended up getting certified because I you I did oh yeah (laughs) yeah they were doing certifications because people were like in other cities and states and even other countries were wanting to teach it. So they did these certification camps. And so I was like, well, I want to go through it. Um, because one of the things that I really liked about them at the time, well, I mean still, but what I really liked is that they're very, um, they're very, I don't know if we're, I don't like using the word religious, but they're very, they're Christian. So it was a lot of faith, faith based. Billy's a phenomenal speaker. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. There's like Bible verses everywhere. And his whole thing was like, walk by faith, not by sight. Mm -hmm. And so he would, he was such a great speaker. So he would, he would end his classes and just be like so inspirational. So I was like, well, I want to go through this weekend class, even if I'm never going to take teach. Right. So, um, I did and it was so fun and it was really hard. Um, but it was super fun. Oh, how neat. So, yeah. So I don't know what, like how that kind of like translated, but I think eventually when I got back and was living in Sacramento, um, I think some of my friends were taking like body pump mm-hmm. and oh, like during nice. that era, you know, where yeah. like body pump was big. And then I was going to 24 hour fitness. And so I was taking like 24 lift and occasionally taking turbo kick and all. Those yeah. And like some pre-choreographed cycle classes. classes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think, I think I got connected to you from Bobby though. Okay. Yeah. And I think she was like, Oh, you moved downtown. You need to go to Capital Athletic Club and take, Jonah's bootcamp classes, mm. you'd love it. Mm-hmm. And so I did. Yeah, group fitness is a powerful <laughs> machine. It, it really can um, invoke inspiration and mm-hmm. motivation and emotion when, yeah. when you when you find the right instructor, when you find the right format and class and uh, environment, culture, people, mm-hmm. it, it really can can change your life. Oh, absolutely yeah. can. I mean, I think that's that's so true. It's like finding the right instructor, someone who like you click with, where you're like, okay, this person motivates me because that's mm-hmm. really what you need. Because if you're with an instructor who, you know, you don't like their tone of voice or they're boring or you don't like the way they teach. I mean, there was some guy, I will never remember his name, but you might know who he is based on what I'm about to say. <laughs> and I remember going to one of his lift classes at a 24 hour fitness somewhere like I don't even know, like maybe in the Arden area. Mm-hmm. And I remember he would come around and he would like touch people while they were, and I don't want to be touched. Like, would he, he ask permission? Like, for, no, oh, no. Oh, that's weird. Like form stuff. And I'm like, okay, it's one thing, but like, just, I don't want you to touch me. Like, yeah. that's just weird. That is very weird. So I didn't appreciate that. Um, but yeah, but like when you find an instructor who you love, you're like a ride or die for that person yeah. because yeah. endorphins, I mean, it's, I, what I just said it the other day. It's like, it's like nature. It's like our body's happy pills. Like we create them. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, like I said about community, yeah. people need to feel like they are part of something. Mm-hmm. And so in group exercise, a lot of times, um, that is cultivated. Mm-hmm. So it was really neat at Capital Athletic Club. We had a fit family. Yeah. Um, 
And it was hard for me because people would come and go, people Mm -hmm. would get new jobs, people would move, people would have babies. And so I'd get these attachments to my students and, you know, for whatever reason, um, life would take them in a, in a different direction and you have to move on. And, um, but you just have to kind of be a chameleon and, and, uh, morph in with, with new students that are coming in and all the while though, it was such a, such a great time. Um, 15 years at the Capital Theater Club. Dang. Yeah. And then one day you woke up and decided, I'm going to do boot camp in the military. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's interesting where life takes you. Well, once COVID hit, um, I was in a place where I was hungry for, for something a little bit different. And I love people, my connection with people. Um, I had been doing chaplaincy-like work at McKinley Care Center. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a um, hospital in East Sacramento. Okay pre-COVID and had an opportunity to serve patients in the hospital that just weren't, either didn't have family or friends coming to visit them. Um, That's so sad. Yeah, it is. It it was, it was eye-opening for me in that it gave me a different perspective because I'm like, how blessed am I? Like I have two arms, two legs. I've, I have family. Mm -hmm. Um, I can come and go as I please. And these patients in this particular hospital don't, don't have that. Um, So I did it for Two years. I was doing that uh, while I was at Capital Theater Club, but then COVID hit. So wait, explain to me chaplaincy, what exactly that is. Chaplaincy is an umbrella term for uh, someone who provides uh, faith, love, care to someone that's in trauma, someone that's going through a difficult time, okay. someone that's about to pass away. Okay. So there's different types of chaplains. Okay. Um, so I had um, befriended one of my students actually from the Capital Theater Club athletic club who was a chaplain at that particular hospital. Oh. Yeah. And so he invited me to come alongside of him and serve these patients. Uh-huh. Um, and I grew to love it. I was uncomfortable at first because yeah. I mean, the hospital setting is not a comfortable setting. Uh-huh. Um, but seeing these people in need, um, mm-hmm. it just, it, it tugged at my heart. And, uh, so Served them for about two years, and then COVID hit, and uh, they uh, they closed down the hospital. So we were not we were not allowed to go in into the hospitals anymore. Um, and I'd been at Capital Athletic, Athletic Club for fifteen years, and I decided I was ready to venture off into something different. Mm-hmm. And so I used that time to um, just kind of focus on uh, the gifts that I that I feel like I I've been given, and so serving people, serving others, um, rescuing animals. Those are mm-hmm. some of the things that I absolutely love. Yeah. And doing the chaplaincy work, I was like, you know, I, I want to dig into this more. I want to research more. And so I, um, uh, came across the Sacramento law enforcement chaplaincy. So there's okay. a law enforcement chaplaincy here in Sacramento that serves the community and the law enforcement. And so I applied for the program, got in, and then started the academy. Um, this happened after everything kind of started opening back up with COVID. And the academy was, I think, close to four or five months. And then they set you off into the community to start uh, serving alongside of men and women in uniform and the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were kind of like trauma responders. We respond okay. to uh, call outs for, um, domestic violence, um, suicide, car accidents, and then we give death notifications. So we, we oh, support geez. the, um, the coroner's office. Oh, wow. And 
So when you say so give death, like it means you're ringing somebody's doorbell yeah. and saying something happened to yes. someone in their family. Yes. Oh. So it's hard work. It's not for everybody. No. It's, not, it's not for everybody. This line of work um, was, it was very familiar territory for me though, because of what I'd been doing at McKinley Care Center. Okay. Um, and so I just knew that this was where I was supposed to be. Wow. And so I, I prayed about it and I'm, I am a person of faith and I prayed about it and God told me to go, go military, go wow. military chaplaincy yeah. because I, I just appreciate, I love, I love my country. I love, um, what our country stands for. And I respect the men and women in uniform who, uh-huh. who, who serve our country. So, um, I enlisted at the beginning of this year and at 37 years old, that was, that was yeah. a, a challenging decision to and make. And you say, say that the so least. calmly. I enlisted. <laughs> I'm like, okay, massive, yeah. massive life changing decision. Yeah. I mean, so you could go enlisted route or you could take the officer route because I have my degree. Um, I thought I would go officer route, but uh-huh. my recruiter gave me the opportunity to speak with a Navy chaplain and the Navy chaplain said, you will need to go enlisted route to understand mm-hmm. what these men and women go through. So okay. you will not ever be able to support them yeah. in the way that they need if you do not go enlisted route, okay. the enlisted route. And that was so profound to me because yeah. I realized, okay, that really spoke to my heart uh-huh. to be a credible source, to be someone that's incredibly empathetic and to understand and being their, being their boots, so to speak, mm-hmm. I was going to have to go this route. I also knew that was going to take a lot of sacrifice on my end. Yeah. Um, but again, my, my serving heart, I said, okay, like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too, kind of what you just said about, you know, you're supporting these people as they're going through not great scenarios right. in life and things that are really hard or really heartbreaking right. or really hurtful all or all at the same time. Right. So by supporting them, it's like, you also have to have like a sense of leadership mm-hmm. in, to be able to do that. So from a leadership perspective, being able to say like, yeah, I know what you went through to get here. I think that that is really important. Absolutely. And I, I, at the time when the Navy chaplain was telling me this, I was kind of like, you know, one foot in, one foot out. I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. that sounds nice, but that's that's asking a lot. That's asking a lot. Mm-hmm. So I didn't make the decision right then and there. I had to think about it. Um, I thought about it for a few months actually before I finally made that decision to to enlist. So no, it wasn't it wasn't an easy like. Well, okay, I think I'm just going to enlist. Yeah. I had to really think about it long and hard. Um, and I'm so glad that this part of the training is done, but I'm so glad that I, that I did it. I it mean, was an eye opening yeah. experience to, to go through Navy boot camp. And so it was like legit, like what the 18 and 19 year olds out oh, of college yeah. enlisting are doing. Like you did that whole It was thing. the same exact training. Yeah. So I went in, I went in as a reserve, so I'm not active duty, but mm-hmm. we still go, reserves still go through the same exact training that active okay. duty go through. So everything from, you know, consuming the, the horrible food to <laughs> the 4am workouts, um, to, you know, memorizing all kinds of crazy, uh, ranks and recognition. Yeah, we did it all. And so once you get out of boot camp, you 
you pick a job, you have a job that you specialize in. And since I'm law enforcement chaplain in Sacramento, I wanted to go law enforcement route so that I could also see the perspective of what law enforcement go through. And that training in itself was two and a half months in Texas at an Air Force base. Okay. And Nikki, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It wasn't boot camp. It was the law enforcement training in in the military was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Have you ever shot guns before? Yes. You have. Oh man, I should have talked to you before I left then. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I hadn't had any experience shooting guns before. Yeah. I mean, but I'm talking like, you know, Hey, I happen to be here and there's all these guys that have all these cool guns and I just get to try them. Uh So was I doing anything correctly? Probably not, you know, but I mean, they're like, hold it on your shoulder. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you still had some exposure to. Yeah. I mean, I know what it feels guns. like, yeah. but, um, you know, not in a, not in your type of environment. Yeah. Yeah. The environment that, that we were learning everything and was very stressful. There was a lot of pressure mm-hmm. and we were learning from ex law enforcement, ex Navy SEALs. Oh, so dang. these guys have been around the block. Yeah. yeah and they're, they're not patient. Yeah. They're not, they've yeah. Seen they've everything. seen everything. Holy smokes. Yeah. That's wild. It is. It was, it was incredibly wild. So for two and a half months, I went through law enforcement training and we did two weeks of shooting guns in the Beretta, the rifle, um, and the shotgun. Wow. And, uh, we were scored and tested on everything. Um, but I think the hardest part was later, um, the last few weeks of training was we had to apply what we've learned to real life scenarios. So they would put us in, uh, these warehouses where we had to learn how to take out the active shooter. And I mean, this day and age, that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. The active shooter. That is, that is the number one priority in a lot of, um, law enforcement trainings is learning how to take out the active shooter. Wow. Yeah. So it was intimidating. It felt like going in to a haunted house and and finding the boogeyman, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was very foreign for me, like I said, because I had never shot a, a gun before and then learning how to, to compartmentalize mm-hmm. and make decisions, split second decisions, whether you're going to take someone out. Dang. So they, they put us in very high pressured scenarios, um, that, like I said, has completely changed my perspective. Now I look at police officers and I feel now I have, I have walked in their boots a, mm-hmm. a bit just in terms of the training mm-hmm. and I can empathize with them so much more now oh, because of that training that I went through. Well, I mean, if you think about it, right, like if there was a, a scenario where there's an active shooter, like 99% of us are going to run the other direction right. and we're running towards, exactly. we're running towards the gunfire. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what's just terrifying is that, I mean, I think about that sometimes cause I have friends who are in law enforcement Um, whether it's police or fire and thinking like, oh my God, like you're going in, like you're Mm -hmm. going in or everyone's come running out. Yeah. Or like when you're a a police officer, like my friend, Jen, she's a police captain or captain lieutenant in the Bay area. And like thinking that like when they get called, like they don't know what they're coming up on. You're absolutely right. And that is so terrifying. Right. It's intimidating. Yeah. It's absolutely intimidating. I remember I asked her when I was down visiting her a few months ago, I said like the first time you pulled somebody over and you were by yourself. Oh my God. Were you just like, Oh my God. Like I would be so, I'd be sweating bullets. So nervous. Yeah. Like who am I pulling over right now? Like, is it worth it to pull them over? Yeah. So it really changes your perspective. And so, 
so I that can only imagine. So again, that's why I chose uh, specifically to go law enforcement route. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'll, I'll go back to because I've been gone for six months. I'm getting ready to get back in with um, uh, Sacramento law enforcement chaplaincy. I'll start back in January, but okay. um, I'm going to be able to look at the different callouts that I go to with in a, through a different lens. Oh, absolutely. Through a different lens yeah. for sure. Um, and so it's just, a, again, a, a reminder that our, our law enforcement needs support. They need help. Mm-hmm. Um, the suicide rate amongst military and law enforcement is, is increasing mm-hmm. at a very alarming rate. And so again, I, I feel, um, called to come alongside of, of, um, our first responders to mm-hmm. support them, to love on them and their family, yeah. um, just because they see some of the most traumatic um, things that just humans just it does it's just not a natural thing to go through, especially by yourself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, there's a lot of taboo on going to speak with a therapist or just talking about it. But mm-hmm. um, it's it's important and it's necessary to process the things that you see, the things that you go through, especially when it comes to trauma. Yeah, um, and to deal with it. Absolutely. So then how does the, how does being a Navy reserve chaplain play into what happens next? So you did all the boot camps, you're, you're back. Now you're going to be able to work with the local law enforcement, Mm -hmm. but what does that mean for your Navy experience? So now, um, I'm at Jessup university in Rockland and in order to become a military chaplain, you have to have a master's degree. Oh, And so I'm back in school after 15 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Working on my master's in divinity. And so divinity, divinity is just the study of God. Oh yeah. More specifically. Um, and so this will allow me to apply for the chaplaincy officer program once I'm probably halfway through, uh, my master's and then I'll go to another boot camp. It won't be as intense as Uh enlisted. It'll be about five weeks. And it's basically, um, learning the ins and outs of what it takes to become an officer. Okay. Yeah. So I will have literally worked, you know, from the from the bottom, work my way up yeah. uh, to becoming an officer. So it, it's going to be gratifying in that. Um, For sure. A humbling experience, too. Very humbling. Like I said, I could have gone officer route because I have my uh, my degree, mm-hmm. my bachelor's degree in exercise science, but this route was, was the way that I needed to go. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like being in the boot camp when you're almost 20 years older than some of the people, like literal kids yeah. that are there? Yeah. Were you, and also what was the male to female ratio? Um, oh, that's a good question. Uh, surprisingly, there was a fair amount of females. Not really? In boot camp, yes. I would say it was pretty equal. Wow. But once I got to um, A school, law enforcement, uh-huh. I mean, I think there were three girls wow. in, our, in our class of 25. Okay. So... Yeah, not if not a lot of females sign up to be a master at arms. Okay. Um, but yeah, being around a bunch of 18, 19 year olds, that was probably one of the hardest parts of boot camp. It wasn't the drill instructors, it was the 18 and 19 year olds. <laughs> they uh, when I say they, um, military is huge on being a team player. Oh, and okay. yeah, didn't, I mean it, you have to be. It didn't matter if I made my bed perfectly or if I passed my mile and a half with flying colors. If my teammate didn't, if my bunkmate didn't make, oh. you know, her bed correct, 
um, or up to par, I would get in trouble too. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. So it was all about team, being a team player and it was really difficult to to get these kids to have that mindset because they're so self-centered, right? Uh-huh. I mean, that's, that's what they've, that's what they've, um, I don't, been exposed to. And so, um, this, this concept of being a team player was challenging. And I, I knew that if I led by example, um, it, that, that might help. And it, uh-huh. and it did, it took a few, no, probably took about five or six weeks for them to catch on. Uh-huh. Um, but, doing it in a, in a selfless, loving way was challenging. Oh, I bet. Because you're probably like, just do it right. <laughs> right. Well, and like the bathroom, for instance, right. I, I would get ready in two minutes and be done. Yeah. And a lot of girls would see that, but then they would take like 15 minutes. And I'm like, that's, that's selfish. You see what I just did was so that all of us have the opportunity to use the bathroom space for a period of time and then get in, get out. Yeah. So, um, Yeah. My experience in boot camp at 37 years old is very different from what, you know, the 18, 19 year olds were, were experiencing. Um, yeah. but I, I hope that a lot of them will come out of it in, in a place where they've, where they've grown, where they've matured, where they understand again, work ethic, um, and being, a, becoming a team player. Yeah. I mean, gosh, you would hope, I mean, you would think after all of that, that you all went through that yeah. there's, it's almost, you have to. Yeah. I remember, you know, one of, I mean, there were so many different rules, but one in particular was you could not talk in the chow hall. That's where you eat Oh, and you could not talk. And you had to have like a thousand yard stare where you're not looking around. You just had to sit there quietly, eat your food. Huh. And so many times people would start whispering and talking and laughing. Uh-huh. And I just thought to myself, like, we're going to get in trouble because yeah. you have no self-control. Oh my gosh. You know, so. Why don't they allow you to talk while you're eating? I mean, it's military. They have their, they have their rules for their rules. Everything wow. is, you know, done a certain specific way. It's, or, it's orderly uh-huh. and very strict. Gosh. Yeah. Very, very Was strict. Was there any time where you could like socialize for lack of a better word, or just like breathe without <laughs> worrying that you were going to do Thank something you. that someone was going to come you yell know, at you for? At night, once the petty officers left for the evening, once uh-huh. they are left, they left our, um, our, our bunk area, we were like, okay, the coast is clear. Yeah. But then at that time, you're exhausted. You're so tired. You just want to go to bed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's... I look back at it now, and I can laugh, but in it, I was so frustrated. I have to be uh-huh. honest. Yeah, I was so I was so frustrated with them. I end up taking on, like, a, a, a mama role, like oh, yeah, a big sister say, I was, role. I was just going to ask, like, yeah. did they look at you and kind of go, like... Like try to figure you out. Like, well, wait, why are you here? Yeah. It, it was interesting because we all looked the same. We all were wearing these, you know, blue sweatpants, sweaters. We kind of look like Smurfs, uh-huh. and uh, we had these uh, navy blue re- recruit hats. We were, you know, we were called recruits, and so we all looked the same. But I forget there was something I, I asked. I raised my hand to ask a question, and. I speak well. I was uh-huh. using language that, you know, most 18, 19 year olds don't use. And I remember sure. everyone turned around to look at me and even the petty officer was like, how old are you? <laughs> and so that kind of, that kind of changed, changed the game in that, um, uh, the petty officer started using me as, you know, work, wanted me to be part of leadership. Uh-huh. So I was given the opportunity to become, uh, the, the athletic petty officer, oh, okay. which was right up my right alley, alley because there I taught boot camp classes. Yeah. So it was neat to, to be able to tie that piece in and use 
you know, some experience that I've, that I've had 15 plus years of experience in the fitness, um, in the fitness world and utilizing that in my time sure. at boot camp. And yeah. It was kind of fun. To, oh, I bet. To get on those, those, uh, young sailors, <laughs> get them in line. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. That must have just been it's, so it was. It, it was, it was, it was a culture shock. It was, um, you know, stretching and growing pains. And I still was, I was able to learn a lot, a lot about myself. And Oh, I bet. Because wait, you also didn't have your phone. No. So you yeah, had two and no months. connection no. with your family, husband, friends. No. So at some point we were able to start writing letters, but that wasn't given until like week four. Oh my so, gosh. so we didn't have an opportunity. I didn't have an opportunity to really process what was happening. Mm-hmm. I started journaling after mm-hmm. I got out of boot camp and went to A school. And it's interesting to look back and read what what my perspective was and the 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 scenarios and things that I'd gone through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not being able to uh, speak with family and friends and not being able to really vent to anybody. Yeah. Um, that was that was challenging. Oh my gosh, I bet that yeah. would be because it's 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 almost like going back in time, you know, because I mean I even I even laugh sometimes when I I have a team of of most of them are significantly younger than I am. And you know, some of them are like, "Oh, I got my first cell phone when I was oh, ten, and I'm like, what? I was eighteen. I, I was like twenty one yeah. or something, and like cell phones school. didn't even exist when I was ten. Yeah. And so thinking that there's like so many you know people in the world now who don't know life without cell phones. And I mean, I I think I said this as recently as like a week or so ago to somebody how you know, even in college, like even if, even though cell phones were around, like not everybody had them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we would make plans and it'd be like, okay, Hey, it's Wednesday on Saturday. We're going to go to dinner at this place at six o'clock and we would all just show up. Yeah. We survived before (laughs) cell phones. (laughs) And so it's like, I think about having to go somewhere and not have, not only not have my phone, but not have any ability to speak with anybody in my life for an extended period of time. That's literally just got to be like stepping back in time. Yeah. Yeah. That was difficult. Um, I think watching again, the, the rest of my shipmates just, they were, they were missing more of like the social media aspect. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. I'm missing my Instagram. I'm missing my tick, my, my TikTok, mm-hmm. And I just wanted time to be able to, again, just kind of process my feelings and, and just vent about what I was going through. They mm-hmm. did have a chaplain on our ship actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He was really busy, so we didn't really get a lot of time with him, but it was, it was interesting. He came in to speak to all of us and they've implemented, the Navy's implemented, um, a wellness, uh, side of boot camp to ensure that, uh, the sailors are in a healthy frame of mind be- oh, uh-huh. because, you know, mental illness is a thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are some borderline, uh, unhealthy tactics that they use, oh. uh, to, you know, enforce mm-hmm. their rules and regulations and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But I remember the chaplain, um, giving space for us to ask him questions at the end. Oh, that's good. Um, and one of them was the, the, one of the sailors had asked, so what was it like for you? How, how did you deal with boot camp? How did you 
process it. Mm-hmm. And I remember the look on his face because he, he didn't go through enlisted boot camp. He oh. went through officer route. Oh. And I remember his the look on his face just feeling a little bit uncomfortable because he had to explain to them, like, yeah, I, I actually didn't go through this side of boot camp. Yeah. And I'll never forget those sailors kind of smugging, like smugly looking at each other being like, what does this guy know? Like, mm-hmm. he's trying to preach to us about this and that, and he hasn't even been through what we've gone through. And yeah. so that was an eye-opening moment for me too, because I was uh-huh. like, okay, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Oh I, I, I'm doing it the way I'm supposed to do it because I'm understanding the dynamics and I'm going to have a better perspective on on military life. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So wait, one more question because you had said, just said when you were on the ship. So were you guys, your boot camp was on oh, a ship? No. So no, we were not on a ship actually. Oh, we just okay. called it a ship. Got uh, it. We were in a building, but it looked like a ship and it felt like a ship. Really? I mean, yeah. Was it really cold? It was really cold and inside it was, but uh-huh. out, I mean, I went during the summertime, yeah, okay. but like the windows were frosted. It just, yeah, I felt like I was on a ship. Oh my gosh. So no, we, yeah, we okay. were on an actual I wasn't ship. sure. I was like, oh yeah, my gosh, yeah, are you actually yeah, on a yeah, ship yeah. too? That's even yeah. like, they were like making it as I, real as possible. Yeah, they made it as real as possible, but no, not, not being on an actual ship. So. Wow. Yeah. That is just, I mean, kudos to you. Like I oh, can't, you. I mean, I know that that's got to be a tough decision to, you know, give your, to commit to the military period. Um, but I think to do it later in, not later in life, not like we're old, but like, you know, later than what is average for people to sign on is a huge decision. And then to even go the routes that you went to learn everything that you did to then do this chaplain work, which like you said at the beginning, is not for everyone. Mm -hmm. And to put yourself in those situations where you are helping people, Mm -hmm. but that it's helping them through really tough times. And to be able to, I mean, I don't know, like, how do you, how do you end, how do you end the day and like turn that off Mm -hmm. or not take on Mm -hmm. all of that? I mean, that's got to be a really tough skill set. It is. And you, you, you learn it, um, in time and with the experiences and having like an accountability partner. So someone Mm -hmm. that you do talk to, um, Mm -hmm. about it, but it is trauma. So the things that you see, some of it does, um, you know, spill, spill into your lane Mm -hmm. and you just need to know how to set up boundaries, um, know how to compartmentalize Mm -hmm. in, in certain aspects, I know a few of my first call outs, uh, with law enforcement chaplaincy, I mean, there were, they were some pretty intense call outs and I needed to process it by talking with my accountability partner mm-hmm. and doing it that way. Um, and so, um, like I said, this, this line of work isn't for everybody. It's really not, but just like a psychologist and like mm-hmm. any counselor, sure. um, they, they need to be able to know how to set boundaries and, um, set limits on things so that they, they kind of detach, um, and can empathize with someone, Mm -hmm. um, but not, not actually take it on as their own. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that is, I mean, it it is, it really comes down to skills. I mean, even if you think about, you know, other types of like, you're, you're such a big animal lover, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, even like veterinarians deal with like having to put animals down and all those types of things or a surgery where something goes awry or a dog that comes in and they're like, man, we just can't fix what's wrong. 
I mean, all of those things, it's like they weigh on you. They do. And I think so many people don't recognize that in their, in so many different professions, there's so much heaviness that comes along with them when you're not a part of that or Mm -hmm. when it doesn't affect your life Mm -hmm. on a daily Mm -hmm. basis. Mm -hmm. So, well, and it reminds you that, you know, life, we, we are, we are incredibly vulnerable. Like Mm -hmm. tomorrow is not promised to you. 100%. And so we have to remember that this, that life is unfair at times. There's a lot of evil in the world. Bad things happen to good, good people all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And so someone like myself, who's who believes, I mean, like I said, I feel like I've been called into this work by God. Um, we have to be able to shine lights in areas of darkness. And I, I just, for me, it feels like such, such a privilege to be able to come alongside of people who are in a place of, of just of, of hurting, mm-hmm. but at the same time being able to protect myself and know mm-hmm. my, my limits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's incredible, mm. and I'm like so proud of you, Thank and so you. excited Thank you for to your support. See. I of really course. appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Oh my gosh! And a of lot of course. people look at me and they're like, "37 years old, you've never <laughs> ever talked about Millis Harry." Yeah, I'm like, but if anyone could do it, 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 it's you. Well, I know, and yeah. that's what's funny. I mean, because like we've you know followed each other on Instagram yeah. for years, but we hadn't been chatting with each other as right. much. And I remember seeing you're going off to do this, and I was like, you know what? If anyone can Aww, do it, it's her. That's so if sweet. anyone can, then when I saw you back I was like we have to get together I need to learn about this no thank you for this opportunity to come on and chat with you and kind of share my experience absolutely I'm excited to to see how all this unravels yeah 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 well um do you have any sort of like social media you want to share or any way people can kind of like see how this unfolds for you yeah I'm I'm not highly active on on my Instagram but I do post um my my rescue work that I do with the golden retriever sanctuary. Um, ultimately I want to do canine chaplaincy. So I'll, I'll tie in the, the rescue dogs that I work with and, uh, use them as comfort dogs to support, uh, veterans and men and women in uniform. Yeah. Oh, that's the best. That's the ultimate goal. So, Oh, I love that. Yeah. So MSJ fitness, miss J fitness. That's my Instagram. My handle on Instagram. So awesome. yeah, fit chick with a purpose. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that because I mean, really like dog, I mean, obviously, you know, dogs are the best. Oh, yeah. I, I love, Oh, you love I your mean, norm. I love norm yeah. as everybody who knows me knows I'm obsessed yes. with him. Probably too, a little bit of a, a little bit too much. Sometimes it's funny. I I'm allowed to bring him to work, which oh, is that's so, so awesome. Yeah. And there's, you know, we don't have a large percentage of our company that actually comes into the office on a regular mm-hmm. I basis, saying that. but yeah, but there's a few other dogs that come in on the regular. So he, you know, yesterday I came in and it's so cute because he goes running out of the elevator and runs down the hall, like where his other dog oh, friends hang out and they both weren't there yesterday. And he was Aww. like, he walked down there and was kind of like, where are my buddies? <laughs> but then he's also like the grumpy old man because they're younger than him. So they'll like be playing in the hallway and he'll just sit there and like watch them and just be like, oh, I'm not you doing guys this are today. so childish <laughs> and they're so much bigger than him too so it's absolutely Um, hilarious but yes we love dogs i love i love norm he's such a good boy well thanks again for this thank you for having me girlfriend absolutely and everybody thank you for listening as you know you can find me at round two podcast on instagram and feel free to reach out if you have a story that you would like to share i would love to talk with you thank you so much for being here and have a great week bye